uh, if you have your Bible, you find uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 1. Psalm 1. So tonight we're starting our series in the Psalms that will take us through spring break. After which, when we come back from spring break in CBS, we will be studying through the Lord's Prayer. As an aside, a fun aside, I think, I forgot to mention that last week that uh, we're going to take a break from our series in the Psalms on Wednesday night, February the 19th, um, because my wife, Laura, will be here with me, and we're going to sit on this stage right here and do a relationships talk. So, yes, it's so fun. We did this like... We did this like um, fall semester of last school year, and uh, we'll put out a link. We'll put out a link in a couple weeks that y'all can start submitting questions uh, anonymously. I will. You can submit stupid questions if you want. They won't even get the light of day uh, up in here. So just looking at. I don't know why I'm looking at this row, <laughs> but uh, just know what a waste of your time if you do that. Um, yeah, y'all can submit any questions you want. Um, we'll try to answer as many of them as we can. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of laughs, but it's good. I, I, I enjoyed it. So we're going to do that on February the 19th. So do invite your friends. It'll be fun. Um, but tonight I want us to look at the Psalms. Uh, start, start looking at the Psalms. I, I mentioned to you last week that I wanted our, the, our, our focus to this whole semester. It ought, to, it ought not be a theme just for one semester. It ought to just keep going. But it doesn't hurt us to take a semester and our, our focus to be on prayer. I, I really want us to become better prayers. I need to become a better prayer. I find that I find that I find that I personally and I find that we collectively are probably much stronger in Bible study than we are in prayer. Let me think about your own life. I I read the Bible a lot more than I pray. When we get together, the most time-consuming thing we do is study the Word. Not wrong. It's not wrong that we do that. I'm not saying we ought to study the Word less. What I am saying is we ought to pray more. And um, so that's what I want our focus to be this, this, this semester. And it, it kept coming to my mind as I thought about focusing on prayer this semester that it would be good to look at the Psalms because the Psalms were... The language of prayer for the early church. I hope, I hope by the time this series is over, you'll understand exactly what I mean by that. For, throughout church history, the Psalms have given, uh, given voice to what we feel in our hearts to pray. Um, Jesus' last prayer before he died, the last prayer Jesus prayed in his earthly life was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit while he was on the cross. Those were words from his heart, which he then did. But as he said those words, he was quoting the psalm, the, he was quoting the words of Psalm 31 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Earlier on the cross, he cried out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The opening words of Psalm 22, 1. 
yeah, Jesus was fulfilling these scriptures on the cross. When you read the Gospels, even the ones he's not quoting from his mouth, he's fulfilling with his life. Uh, the Gospels go out of their way to show how his life and what was happening to him were fulfilling not only other Old Testament passages, but the Psalms in particular. Like Judas betraying him fulfilled Psalm 41.9. They cast lots for his garments fulfilling Psalm 22.18. They gave him sour wine to drink on the cross fulfilling Psalm 69.21. That doesn't change the fact that he's fulfilling these things. It doesn't change the fact that in the subjective experience of Jesus of Nazareth, in his deepest moment of anguish and agony and suffering, needed words that would adequately express the anguish he was experiencing, and Psalm 22 and Psalm 31 gave it voice. Not And think about it, he's doing that, Not he's hanging on a cross. He doesn't have his Bible open in front of him. Those were the words resonating in his heart. He'd probably grown, grown up singing those psalms, gathered worship in, in, uh, in the synagogue. And those, those, the, the words of these psalms were in his bones because he had meditated on them so much, which brings us to the starting point. For this series, I want to be the first psalm. You probably know it. I'm not. I'm going to say we're going. To, this is just a springboard tonight. Tonight's going to be a little different. I'm going to try to give an under. It's going to be some nuts and bolts, how to understand the structure of psalms, so we can have a framework to then dive deeper into it in the coming weeks. But here, you probably have heard this psalm, but let's let's uh, let's read it anyway. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, the words that we just read, the words of the Psalms that we will study throughout this semester, are your holy, inspired, inerrant, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary word. Inerrant because it's your word. Sufficient because you are all wise. And you haven't told us everything that there is to know. But you told us everything that there is 
to, that we need to know for faith and practice. And he told it to us clearly. It comes with your authority. And it's necessary because if you didn't reveal these things to us, there is no way for us to discover them. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Give us minds to understand the truth that we see here and elsewhere in the Psalms. Give us hearts to embrace and love the truth. To love it. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Make us that blessed man, please. And give us wills to obey, whatever it calls us to do. Give me the help that I need to teach and give us all ears to hear, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That psalm doesn't command us to do anything. There's not a single command in that psalm, Psalm 1. It simply describes for us the person who is blessed of the Lord. Uh, and he's, he's described as a like a tree growing by a stream of water. I've seen, I've seen trees growing by streams of water. Um, some, some of you have uh, been able to go to, to London or go to London with one of our teams. I, one, of the, uh, one of the times we were in London, um, I think a tree by a stream of water, I remember we visited Cambridge one day, and we went punting. You don't know what punting is? It's a it's a boat ride. Think like um, little gondolas or something like that. They call that punting. And you go through uh, the River Thames, goes through Cambridge, and you you're looking at the backside of all the university buildings. But there's and everything in England is old, so even the trees. Um, but there's as you're in this boat and and you i'm just noticing how the how these these trees that are by this river they're just fat they're enormous they're just huge this thing's been growing for 800 years by this river and it's enormous yeah god wants us to be sturdy like that tree in this life Receiving constant nourishment from his word and growing strong against the, against the wind of life and producing good fruit. That's what he wants. That's the person who, in this psalm, dwells on God's word. And think about that word dwell. You dwell in this word. You live in it. Meditate on it. It's on our mind throughout the day. It's our delight. I feel like if, if I... If you're anything like me, too often, uh, without even realizing it, I, I'm not that man. I'm the man who, without even realizing it, walks in the counsel of the wicked. And I, I stand in the way of sinners. I sit in the seat of scoffers. And yet, did you notice when we read that? Did you notice the description in that description the downward pull of that? You go from walking to standing, to sitting. So delighting in and dwelling in the word, this prayerful word, is what builds us up, 
meditating on it, especially the Psalms. And that's our focus this semester. And I feel like if we want to get the most out of it by meditating on these Psalms this first half of the semester, we need to understand a little bit about the book. Get the nuts and bolts in place. I do this every time we start a new book. It's, it's necessary groundwork. Um, just understand the layout of the land, and I think you'll be able to navigate it a whole lot better even uh, when you're just sitting there at home by yourself. So things like who wrote the Psalms, when were they written? There's 150 of them. It's an enormous book. Is there any kind of structure to the book, or is it just a random collection of things? Uh, how are we going to study them? Well, let's just think about some of those nuts and bolts. When you think about who wrote the Psalms, who, what's the name that imme- most immediately comes to your mind? David, of course, yeah, David uh, did, and for good reason. David wrote fully half of the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms, and he's directly mentioned as the, as the author of 73 of them. And the New Testament actually tells us two other Psalms, tells us that David was the author of those as well. So two more, it makes 75 out of 50, David wrote. But he's not the only author. Um, when did David live, by the way, just so you get a time stamp on that? David lived about 1,000 years before Christ. Okay. But he's, not the, he's not the only author. There are other authors of the Psalms. Um, Asaph, uh, Psalms of Asaph, or Solomon is an author of some Psalms. The sons of Korah, even Moses. You know Moses wrote a Psalm? Psalm 90. So you can tell that, that from that list alone, because Moses or, was probably a thousand years before David. It's a long time. They, these, these psalms were written over a long, long period of time. Um, and and like, like centuries and centuries, in fact, millennia. <laughs> and they were used in worship. We know from Scripture that these psalms were used when, when the people of God gathered together to worship. These psalms were central. First Chronicles chapter 16. I don't remember last time you read First Chronicles. I commend it to you. Um, in First Chronicles 16, David gathers together some of the Levites to instruct them in, in leading in worship in the, in the gathered assembly. And it says in verse 7, First Chronicles 16, it says, Then on that day David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung... To the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. And that's 1 Chronicles 16, 7. Thanksgiving be sung by Asaph and his brothers. That, what do you think commences in verse 8? This long, this long song of thanksgiving. Well, what is that? What is that that follows that? It's literally it's Psalm 105 and Psalm 96. Back to back. So David here is commanding: when everyone gathers, sing these psalms. And uh, if, if you look at the heading of, of um, the first verse of Psalm 92, for example, the heading says it's a song for the Sabbath. A song for the Sabbath. Some of the most famous or well-known psalms in the Bible are called Psalms of Ascent. Psalms of Ascent, like going up. Why? These were the psalms. They're Psalm, Psalms 120 through 134. Psalm 120 to 134, the psalms of ascent. And it's the songs that the people would sing as they ascended the hill to Jerusalem 
to worship, uh, especially at certain festivals and feasts of the year. Uh, and and th- these are the songs that they would sing together as they ascended the hill uh, to the temple. And it, it you kind of when you get that you kind of get the mental image um, of uh, when you hear that the best known of those psalms of ascent, Psalm one twenty one, when it when it it begins, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. I'm looking at His temple. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So these psalms written over a long period of time were used in corporate worship when people gather together. But the psalms weren't just used when when we all sing together. Um, we've We've already seen that Jesus himself praying on the cross is praying the words of the psalms. But we see it in other places too. Let me just give you one other example of um, an individual praying the words of the Psalms. Um, an example from the Old Testament. In the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the first second Samuel are a fascinating book, by the way. Uh, 1 Samuel opens up, the book opens up with Hannah, who was to be the, the mother of Samuel, right? And she, she was barren. She couldn't have children. And so the book opens up with her going to the um, to go into the tabernacle to pray that God might allow her to have a child. And remember the first time she's praying in chapter 1, she's just mouthing the words to herself, and Eli, priest, thinks she's drunk. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? But then uh, the Lord answers her prayer, and she conceives and she bears and has a son, Samuel. She dedicates him to the Lord. And then in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, she prays again. This time it's a much longer prayer, and we actually are told what she was praying. And if you look at that, you should do it sometime. Just look at the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2 and compare it to Psalm 113. Uh, It's not word for word, but it's as if she had been meditating on Psalm 113, and that psalm was guiding her prayer. The same themes come up. In both, and it's like it's 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 like she she was using that psalm, Psalm one thirteen, to guide guide her prayer, uh, but she applied it to her particular situation, you know, um, and what had just happened to her. So they were written over a long period of time by several different people, more than anyone by King David. They were used in corporate and private worship. When was the book put together? When did, when did, it, when did this, this book come together that was as we have it now? Well, remember Israel's history. Remember uh, they, that they went into exile. Um, by, first by the Assyrians, then, then the Babylonians, then the Persians. Um, then the Lord, under the hands of the Persians, Cyrus, king, the king, they came out of um, Captivity, after 70 years of captivity. It was probably during that time when they came out of captivity that someone collected all these psalms and gathered them all up and, and arranged them into the book that they are today. Uh, and uh, in fact, they, they weren't gathered, technically they weren't gathered into one book, but five books, five books, all right? Probably to mimic the five books of Moses, Genesis to Deuteronomy, but if you want to, these are, notice what's at the top of Psalm 1, book 1. 
You see that in your Bible? And the divisions are clearly laid out in, in the book. And so uh, those divisions are clearly marked. Here's, here's, here's what they are. Book 1 are Psalms 1 through 41. This is good to know because there is a rhyme and reason to the book. So just know that. Psalms 1 to 41 is book 2. Book 2 are Psalms 42 to 72. Book 3 are Psalms 73 to 89. Book 4 are Psalms 90 to 106. Book 5, Psalms 107 to 150. And they do sort of follow a pattern. So, um, usually in one of those books, we'll take, we'll take the, just book 1 as, as an exemplar of this. Usually near the beginning of of uh, one of those books is what we call a, a royal psalm or a psalm of kingship declaring that God is Lord and he's king over all that he's made certainly king over his people so if you're open to Psalm 1 just look at Psalm 2 okay this is the example in book 1 Psalm 2 why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves against and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. I mean, you see this? It's a, it's a royal psalm. The nations rage, but they have no idea who they're raging against. God is king. Usually a psalm like that is at the beginning of one of these books. But then similarly, at the end of the, one of those books, you, you kind of marked out, uh, here's the ending of a book when there's going to be a psalm of praise, like a doxology. So for example, the last words of Psalm 41 are, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. That's the end of book one. So how do, what, what's, what's the significance of these books? Well, just you can jot down these notes if you want to know a, a, a sort of a, a theme that's, that's unique to these different books. Books 1 and 2, books 1 and 2 um, are predominantly about events from David's life. Psalms of David and about David's life. I mean, you, so you can see, like, look at... Um, like, if, if you got your, look, look at Psalm 3, okay? A Psalm of David. When he fled from Absalom, his son. Okay, that's an event. That's, that's a, and it's, sometimes it's good to go back to uh, earlier books and read that event and then read the psalm. Or look at Psalm 7. A Shigion. I don't know what that is. Of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. It just tells you what was going A lot of these tell you what was going on in David's life when he wrote these psalms. Like a look at, look at Psalm 18. To the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, Lord, O oh my strength. I mean, and it goes on. So... Books 1 and 2 are mainly from David, psalms written by David about his life. Um, but then you come to book 3, and the psalms in, in book 3 tend to express discouragement, sadness. Uh, and why? 
Why? Why? Did, because remember when this is being, when many of these were being written during Israel's exile, and there's no king on the throne, and they feel like they're being ruled by someone else, and their nation's about to perish. They're about to. I mean, this is the end. They feel like God promised that there would be a a descendant of David on the throne, and there's not. Will there ever be again? So they're sad. Then you come to book four, and a lot of them reflect on Moses' time. They look back at what God... So, so book two is sad about the current state. Book, th- uh, I mean, book three is sad about the current state. Book four looks back. Okay, let's remember what God did in the past as hope for the future. Let's look at what happened in the past, and let's, like, let's correct the mistakes of the past so that we might be hopeful for the future. And it looks back to the time of, of Moses. And remember that God performed an exodus long ago. Maybe he'll do it again. Notice the first book of book four is Psalm 90. It's, a, it's, the, it's the one that Moses authored. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Or just let me give you an example of, of, of that. Um, just so you know, I in my my. Quiet, quiet times every day, my devotionals. I start, I'm a, I'm a person of very much routine. I start every day with Psalm 95. These are the first words I read every day. And just, again, read this knowing that in, this, is the, this is the neighborhood of the Psalms that's looking back to Moses, looking back to the time of the Exodus. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Don't overlook the significance of that he's called a rock there. Remember in the wilderness generation, they were thirsty. What did he tell, what did he tell uh, Moses to strike with his staff to get water? A rock. God is the rock. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. And the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. We're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah and on the, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof. Though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath that they should not enter my rest. You see how the, what, they're, what they're doing with that psalm in this neighborhood? Remember, remember who God is and remember how that past generation went astray. The New Testament tells us that David wrote this psalm. And they say David is saying, they, David's generation, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like that generation did. You know? It's calling, a, calling them back to faithfulness in book four. That's a great psalm, by the way. To start your day, an invitation to sing to the Lord. He's a great God, a king above all gods, and 
be reminded by the Holy Spirit from his word. Don't you harden your heart today, right? But then the last book, book five, starts in Psalm 107. And it's the happiest book. It, it is predominantly salvation is going to come. It's going to come from a new David. And it's pointing forward to Christ. And, and that's, that's the, uh, and, and, it, and it's just doxology after doxology. Everybody's familiar with um, the last psalm, uh, which is Psalm 150, which is just a, a doxology of um, the most profuse kind. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But that, that's, Psalm 149 is just like that. And Psalm 148 is just like that. And Psalm 147 is just like that. I mean, it's just overflowing with praise. God is going to save us. So that's, that's how it's broken up into these five books, and that's kind of the, 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 the reasoning behind why these are grouped this way. Books one and two about David. Book three about lamenting their current state of affairs when it felt like God had abandoned them. Book four, look back to God's faithfulness then. Let's not make those same mistakes today. Psalm five, book five, salvation is going to come. That's good and all. I think the best way, though, the best way for us to think through these psalms, because there's no way we're going to cover 150 psalms in six weeks. What's the best way for us to, uh, to work our way through a lot of these psalms? And I think is to, it, it is to think about the different kinds of psalms that there are. Because there's not just different books of psalms. There's different kinds of psalms. And it's good to know what, what kinds of psalms there are. Because this is to, meant to be your prayer book. And your heart feels all kinds of ways. So there's all kinds of psalms. Right? Alright, so there are, there are six categories of different kinds of psalms um, that I want to introduce you to. This is going to be our roadmap over the next few weeks. I'm not going to say a ton about each one because we're going to have a whole week devoted to each one. Uh, and have plenty to say about them when we come to them. The first category of psalms, though, are going to be psalms of praise. Psalms of praise. Pray, but but I, what, the way I want to describe this category of psalm to you, though, these are praise typically for what God has done big picture in salvation history. Big picture, like praise God for the exodus. You know, big things, big things that he's done. Uh, mighty acts in Israel's history. Praise for the salvation coming with the Messiah. And usually these, these psalms will open up, they'll open with an invitation to praise the Lord. Then they'll describe the character or what the Lord has done, and then they'll end by another invitation to praise Him. That's, these are these psalms. These are, these are great psalms. But the second category is the polar opposite end. The polar opposite end. Uh, these are psalms of lament. Psalms of lament. And um, these are some of the psalms that Jesus was quoting on the cross. You know, the dominant note in most of these are sad tone. Why, O oh Lord? 
Why? Lord, have you forgotten us? Lord, I don't understand. Our bones are wasting away. Sad. One thing you'll notice, though, about these psalms of lament, they go deep in the depths of sadness, but usually they end with an upbeat note. They'll be sad, 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 and they'll be real about the sad, but they'll end with an upbeat note of hope in the Lord. The, in other words, these, this is why you need the Psalms. This is why you, when you feel lament in your heart, go to the Psalms of lament. Because apart from the Holy Spirit guiding you in that Psalm, you won't naturally end with an upbeat note. Your heart will stay on the sad tones. You need someone to, you need the Holy Spirit in that word to say, I get the sadness. I get it. But there's hope. These psalms teach us how to grieve. They teach us how to wrestle with the Lord. The next, though, are psalms of thanksgiving. Most of these, do you remember how the psalms of praise were about praising God for great big picture things that he's done? The psalms of thanksgiving um, are like Psalms of praise and thanksgiving for what God has done in your personal life. You'll see, a, you'll see a, the psalmist praising God, not for some grand big thing that God did, but for some act of faithfulness that God did in his own life. You know, um, Psalm 27 is an example of, of, of that. Remember Psalm 27 of David, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see that I, 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 I. Though an army encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious. Verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> That's good. Those are psalms of thanksgiving. And then you have um, psalms of confidence, which are exactly what they sound like. Similar to lament, these, a, lot, a lot of these mm, psalms of confidence will have a, a sad, sad tone to them, but the, the confident tone is, is stronger, um, that I'm, I'm confident in the Lord, even if I don't know how that help is going to come yet. I know, I know. The last two are psalms of kingship or royal psalms, psalms of kingship that, that talk not only about how God rules over all things. Think Psalm 115 says, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. That's, God is king over all that he's made. But it's not just that. It's, it's also... Um, like of the coming Messiah who's going to rule over all things. Think again of Psalm, Psalm 2 again. Here's the end of Psalm 2. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. That's quoted of Jesus in the New Testament. 
Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You, Messiah, shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And finally, Psalms of Wisdom. Psalms of Wisdom. Which have a lot of the characteristics of Proverbs. Um, Psalm 49 is... It just feels like you're reading an early chapter of Proverbs. Hear this, all peoples, give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be my understanding. Incline, I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of light. You might, if you didn't know that was in Psalms, you might think it was in Proverbs. There's a lot of Psalms like that. So that's where we're going. We're going to think, we're going to think through each of these categories of Psalms. Probably a bit of practical application uh, about how you might incorporate each of these categories into your prayer life and, and how to pray through some of these psalms. I, I can't wait to go through some of these. I, I want these psalms to become such a part of you and such a part of me that, that even in your highest moments of joy and praise, like Hannah, Psalm 113 is coming out of your bones. Or in your moment of deepest numbing anguish, like Jesus, Psalm 22 and Psalm 31 are coming out of your bones. These are the things that just well up in your heart because you've meditated on them day and night, like Psalm 1 says.